other day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. And welcome to what I think will be one of the more exciting editions of Defending the Kingdom. We're going to call this the Base 10, uh, based on the draft for the Kansas City Chiefs over the 2022 draft. Mitch Holtz with your voice of the Chiefs, joined by Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen, and again, joined by the man we call the barber shop, the <laughs> shop, the barber, the spider, the Richmond spider, Sean Barber. But exciting times. Man, awesome. Glad to be here. Uh, you know, I've kind of been in a little hibernation mode for a couple of weeks. Cannot wait to be able to talk about the base 10 um, system as far as this draft class is concerned. So excited for the Chiefs Kingdom to talk about each and every one of these draft picks. I saw Shop on Saturday after Draft Fest, yeah. and he just wanted to talk about the draft. We're in the parking lot for 30 minutes. He's like, <laughs> I just want to talk about this guy. And I'm like, all right, Shop. And then I was like, what are you doing on Monday? You want to come talk about it on a podcast? And he's like, let's do it. So here he is. You know how that motor goes. Yeah. When the Spider-Man and the barbershop just, it just doesn't turn off. It just goes. So the base 10, for you mathematicians out there, you're going, yeah, we get that. It's basically our mathematical system, right? You have 10 digits, 0 through 9, and then you start all over at 10 and move on. That's about my mathematical expertise. But just know that our lives are so affected by the base 10 mathematical system, the Kansas City Chiefs' lives uh, could be affected with this base 10 draft class of 2022 that the three of us love. And seriously, we're going to go down every guy, all 10 of them here. So we're going to scoot along. But before we do that, it's a defending the kingdom tradition that we get in our spaceship and go around the world. Yeah, this might take longer than going through the draft picks. Only three pages today of people listening <laughs> all over the world. Um, so we'll start with a listener in Guyana, South America. Yeah. That's a first. We haven't been there yet, so that's a first. Um, ben from Shenfield, Essex in the UK. He officially declared it for Chief's Kingdom. Uh, Kavinda is listening from Sri Lanka. Uh, Jeremiah checked in from Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, Denny, as always, is listening from the Philippines, Chief's Kingdom Far East, as he calls it. Uh, Manuga is listening in Nicaragua. Avery is in Vancouver, Canada. They declare themselves the chief in the north and are confident that Patrick can throw over the mountains up there. And I have confidence in that as well. Uh, Alex is also from Vancouver. We're connecting people from around the world, which I think is always cool. Uh, we also have uh, Ismail in Toronto. Jeff is listening in Redcliffe, Australia. And then Lenny, who's checked in before from Dubai, uh, wanted to report that his fiance, who's from Serbia, is now a Chiefs fan. So pretty cool. I don't think we've been in Serbia yet. No. Now, lots of people, as always, all over the country. So we have Dan. He checked in from Oklahoma. Brada in Hawaii. Gavin from Joplin. Buck from Concord, North Carolina. Drew and Marsha declared Chattanooga, Tennessee, the scenic city kingdom. My grandparents are from Chattanooga. They live on Raccoon Mountain. Love Chattanooga. Uh, Thomas checked in from Columbus, Kansas. Tom and Amanda, who I think we've heard from before, declared Mount Washington, Kentucky as Chiefs Kingdom East, the Bourbon Outpost. Love that. Sure. Um, Many Chiefs fans would go there for a... Uh... <laughs> taste absolutely we'll just wait there's some more of that oh, gosh. um we have ryu uh, listening from new jersey uh connor is behind enemy lines in rio rancho new mexico he says it's both bronco and raider country but he's representing so keeps representing out there connor uh sean also behind enemy lines in the bay area still a lot of raiders out there even though the raiders left oakland uh michael in tampa declared florida as arrowhead south duncan is listening from oklahoma shane is in Malta, Montana. Marion is listening in Iowa. Mark declared Montana as Chiefs Kingdom North. Got a few of those, Chiefs Kingdom North. Um, and Norma is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Jim declared Milwaukee as Chiefs Kingdom North. Gary declared Vancouver, Washington as Chiefs Kingdom Northwest. Jay declared La Plata, Missouri as Chiefs Kingdom North. So lots of Chiefs Kingdom North this time around. Uh, Stephen is listening right here in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Taylor is listening in Olympia, Washington. We've got Maria in Las Vegas. She was at the draft, so pretty cool. Got to see George Karloffis up there on the stage. Uh, Zach is in Colorado Springs, and this is what I was alluding to. He operates a brewery out there called Nano 108, but he's dubbing it Kingdom Behind Enemy Lines. So if you're in Colorado Springs, go check that out. Uh, say hi to Zach for us. Uh, Gary is in Flat River, Missouri, but he's listening from Monument, Colorado. Bill is also in Colorado. Lots of people in Colorado, which I love. Um, Ed checked in from Cibolo, Texas, and declared it Chiefs Kingdom, South Texas. 
Gary is listening in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and claims it as Chief's Kingdom of Sunshine. My wife went to uh, the University of South Dakota in Vermilion. I've been to Sioux Falls a million times. Love that. Great town, actually. A lot of Chiefs fans up there. A lot of Chiefs fans. Yep. Um, Ruben declared Colorado Springs as Olympic City Kingdom USA. Louise checked in from Sunnyside, Washington. We've got Sheila in Atlanta, Brian in Los Angeles, a listener in Dallas, Anthony in Joplin, James in Independence, Greg in McKinley, Texas, Dan in Levittown, Pennsylvania, Chad in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. His wife went to Purdue, so they watched all the Boilermaker games over the last several years and watched they love George. Coaches, they love him. But they also have to like Chanel. Well, there you go, yeah. I mean, we <laughs> got a double dip for those Didn't guys. like him then, but they like him now. like him now. Um, I also want to shout out Georgia in Northern California, one of our most dedicated listeners. Always shoots me a DM after our episodes. Thank you for watching and listening, Georgia. We really appreciate you. And then lastly, I met some awesome people at Draft Fest over the weekend, a guy named Matt and his buddies. We took a picture, and he was going to send it to me, and we would put it on the broadcast, but I never saw the photo on social media. So shoot me a DM, Matt, with the photo, uh, and we'll get it on next week's broadcast. But that's everybody. We're going to dedicate an entire... Defending the Kingdom show sometime with the three of us just to Chiefs outposts. Yeah. Big Charlies. I mean, we can go through, yeah, but yeah. behind the enemy lines one in. I love it. In Colorado Springs. You might have just put it out there for all the customers to go, hey, just that's the name of the place behind enemy lines. I love like it. it. Okay. Let's jump into, and by the way, so we had South America, we had Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. Asia, uh, Asia, Australia. So we almost hit all the continents again. Yeah, no Africa this week. And no Antarctica. Yeah. Still working in <laughs> Still Antarctica. Still waiting on that. <laughs> okay, let's jump in now to the base 10, the mathematical system that is part of our lives more than any of us know, and then the base 10, which are the 10 draft picks for the Chiefs in 2022. Now, let's go back to two defending the kingdoms ago, go leaping back there, and revisit if you want to have some fun and the one we did on volume, value, and victory. Because honestly, it became prophecy. This feels like volume, value, and victory. We're going to go right down all 10 of these picks. And Shop, we'll start with you because let's go to Trent McDuffie. Let's go. McDuffie, all three of us were thinking would be 10, 11, 12, 13-ish. All of a sudden, he's there at 21. Brett Veach grabs him, makes the trade with New England to jump up and get Trent McDuffie. As a defender who played in this league for over a decade, what do you like about Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from the University of Washington? Well, the thing that jumps off the film is me is his mirror ability. The way he's able to stay in front of receivers, he's never panicking. Um, all throughout the route progression, he never panics when the ball's in the air. And that's one thing that's very hard to teach DBs at this level. Um, kind of reminds me of a Champ Bailey. Um, de- definitely from a footwork standpoint, um, I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's a technician with his with – his, with his, arm placement when it stabs and he's coming from UW who we know as DB University um, so yes he doesn't have the 40 time or he doesn't have the the height of a, a sauce um, he doesn't come with the um, 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 the resume I think of um, Stingley Jr. who went to the um, who went early on in the draft both of those guys got, got drafted higher but in my board on my big board when I broke down DBs he was the number one DB on my board over sauce over both of those jokers <laughs> Over both of those jokers. Sauce instinct. Man, I've seen Sauce get beat at the line, and he makes plays up down the field and stuff like that. So he does some flashy type stuff. But I'm telling you, man, to be um, consistently in place and play play sound defense, it's a it's a dedication um, that I see in this man's delivery and his, and, and his work ethic. That thing is going to be, man, it's going to be uh, lights out when he touches the field. And the player comp that he compares, uh, reminds me of, is I played with the guy, uh, Daryl Green. And at that size, Daryl told me one thing. I got the receiver covered when the ball gets there. Don't worry about anything else. When the ball gets there, I'll be there in time to punch the ball out. Um, He does an amazing job of tracking the ball, high-pointing it. And even for his size, he plays a lot taller than he really is. So I love the pick of McDuffie. Um, I think we got him at the 21st. Yeah, yeah. 20, traded up to get him at 21, which is, what, 10 slots of where some thought he was going to be. If he becomes Daryl Green, who's probably one of my top 10 all-time non-Chiefs players of all time, I'll be excited. <laughs> Daryl Green now played 20 years yes, as a corner did. in yes, the league, an amazing dude and great person. Uh, Matt, your thoughts here. And I have smart, tough, versatile People think, well, he played a lot of zone technique. You look at the – there was a couple cloud technique plays he made, mm-hmm. uh, the big interception he made, I think, against Washington State. But this guy does have man traits, and he is wicked smart. Yeah, and just the value was ridiculous, as Sean mentioned. So I – for our live stream, 
I prepared like 31 sheeters, just quick information about guys that we could possibly draft. So I'd had some have some info there when we went live. And I made all these different one sheeters and kept joking around that we're going to take a guy that's not on um, my list, right? And the very last one sheeter that I did was for Trent McDuffie. And at that point, I was doing ones for guys that were unrealistic. Like I did one for Sauce. I did one for Stingley. Uh, these guys that there's no way they're going to fall to us. And I did one for Trent McDuffie, thinking there's no way this guy's going to fall to us. The value, like, is just too high there. Um, he's too good of a player to be there in a realistic range where the Chiefs could trade up. And when we got to 21 overall, we traded up for that pick, and we got word that we were taking Trent McDuffie. I'm like, what? I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the thing about him is some of these corners in the draft, Stingley kind of sticks out to me. They were really good a couple years ago, and you know they're great athletes, but the production hasn't necessarily been there lately, so you kind of wonder, what are you getting with that? With Trent McDuffie, he's just been really good his entire career. And look at last year. He allows 16 catches for only 111 yards all year long. People just weren't throwing at him. He was only targeted 36 times all year. That's the best compliment you can ever give a DB. That's better than a DB having 20 interceptions if no one's throwing at him because he's locking guys down uh, better than anybody. Those 111 yards were the fewest allowed in all of college football. Um, he allowed 3.1 yards per target, also best in the FBS. Zero touchdowns allowed in each of the last two years. When you draft a corner in the first round, you want it to be a dude, a guy that can go out there and lock guys down. And that's all that Trent McDuffie has done his entire career at Washington. You mentioned how versatile he is. He can play inside with the best of them, but he can also play outside uh, because he plays bigger than his size. And he can play safety if you need him to. And what Spags love to do, loves moving his defensive backs all over the place uh, and treating them truly as defensive backs, not just corners or safeties. So uh, I just love the talent of the kid, but also the value there at 21 is just incredible. Also, Dave Tobe, when I interviewed uh, him on stage, is going to take a look at McDuffie as a punt returner. And he did some returning at Washington early on. Then he became their main corner. But there is uh, going to be an audition there, perhaps, for uh, Trent McDuffie to be a returner. When he tied himself into the Honey Badger, that was a smart move in a PR standpoint, but you see some honey badger in Trent McDuffie's game. The knock on him, size. Uh, but he plays bigger than that. You guys both alluded to that. And their lack of productivity, only two picks in three years. But a lot of that was the fact that nobody was throwing No him. one's throwing at him. <laughs> All right, let's go into the next one, and that's George Karloftis. This is our water polo guy from Greece. Nobody from Greece. Um, watching or listening, I guess, uh, at least right now, to defending the kingdom. They will be. If we had the Greek flag out here, we would put it up there. Because honestly to me, and I'll get your thoughts first, and then we'll go to shop on this one with Karloftis. Again, drops to 30. Many thought he would be 10 picks higher than that. George Karloftis. So, smart, tough, versatile, dependable, durable. And this guy, uh, Spags, can do a lot of things with George Karloftis. It's like the same buzzwords for McDuffie, right? That's kind of the theme of this draft is smart, tough, durable, versatile. Um, and Karloftis has all of those things. Really productive last year. He had 54 pressures uh, last season. Second best pass rush win rate last season behind only Aiden Hutchinson. That guy's pretty good. Went number two overall. So consistently winning. And he's versatile. He's a big guy, so he's versatile. You can play him on the edge or inside. And he's a power rusher. That's what he's going to do. This guy is one of the most strong guys in this entire draft. Uh, and he's just going to bull rush and barrel over people. And that's what you kind of hope translates uh, to the NFL. He's also an Ironman, so he had at least 49 snaps in all but one game last season, and that gets back to his versatility. He never wants to come off the field. So in certain situations where you don't necessarily need all your edge rushers out there, he's like, all right, I'll bounce inside if I can, and vice versa. Uh, so I love that about him. He described himself as relentless, and I mentioned that on our last podcast, but I just love it. You want that out of a first-round edge rusher. You want a guy who's relentless, who just wants to go out there and contribute in any way that he can. He doesn't care that he's only in there in sack situations. He doesn't care about that. He just wants to get after the ball carrier and help his team win. And that's George Karloftis. Uh, and I love that he has a chip on his shoulder. He was saying that 29 teams are going to regret not taking him uh, before that spot. So he's going to go out there and, and be relentless throughout his entire career. And, and I can't wait. We, I've seen this kind of cat come out the draft before. And uh, recently we've actually faced a cat that reminds me a lot of um, Karloftis. And it's uh, Sam Hubbard with Cincinnati. Um, Great come. Love it. So effective. It's, it's, it's hard because the guy doesn't uh, jump off the page as far as his vertical leap or his 40 times or any of the, the, the metrics, but so productive. 
always doing something for the team, always taking on a double team, always holding blocks off so the linebackers can shoot the gaps, um, consistently getting closer and closer and just um, collapsing the pocket around the quarterback versus that splash off the edge that, um, um, that we, we're used to seeing in the NFL. And now that I think that the NFL is starting to, like, uh, just as a systematically, uh, we know that they're, they're not pressuring as much. Just, just the collectiveness of the NFL overall. Defensive coordinators, I think, are getting away from that all-out blitz dog mode. And you're going to see people drop into more uh, two shells and rushing four, rushing uh, just three. And that pocket now just has to be um, constricted slowly around the quarterback. And it takes certain body types that are strong enough to hold on. It's only three against five offensive linemen, yeah. but you still got to find a way to get to that quarterback. And I think the way when I see him on film, um, he's very consistent about keeping his eyes on the quarterback, always gaining ground, using that pressure, um, using that strength to get this collapse that pocket. So I'm very excited about a guy who I had as my fourth overall in. He was my fourth overall edge when I ranked him. But I, there was no way I thought he would be available after 15. People joke at the fact that he played water polo. To me, uh, and we talked about this too, that's a part of his strength. That's the reason he played 50 snaps a game every time. Like, you can't get him off the field. This guy's durable. Now, the, the knock on him is, hey, maybe too much bull rush. He's got to add something to his game. Well, there's Joe Cullen, the new defensive uh, line coach. Remember, Brandon Daly moved to linebackers. But this guy's just getting started. He really hasn't played that much football. Yeah. So uh, just getting started with George Karloftis, but exciting to see this guy play a motor and toughness. All right, people are waiting in the Chiefs' kingdom. What are they going to do at wide receiver? They're going to get a wide receiver. They get a wide receiver out of Western Michigan, right, the mm -hmm. same school that produced Corey Davis just a couple of years ago. The Chiefs get Sky Moore at 5'10", 191, led FBS with 26 broken tackles, highly productive, almost a 100-catch season. We'll start with you, Shop. All right. Sky more. What do you think? Well, we always start with those pro comps. And obviously, playing 10 years in the league, I play with a lot of guys that remind me of this young man. So I'm thinking Eddie Kennison. I'm thinking Lance Moore. Uh, I'm thinking receivers like that. I also played with a, a very productive James Thrash, um, another small school guy. Way underrated, by the way. Very underrated. Had a long career. Yeah. Strong hands, big hands, always can possess the ball, um, always is in the right place. And I think sometimes as a quarterback, um, you know, you get away from having these ultra um, highly effective, highly elusive type um, receivers that are just uh, jumping off the page. You want somebody that you can, 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 can uh, consistently know is going to be at the right place, the right time when you deliver the ball and, and catching the ball is almost a, um, not, not even worth thinking about. Once you throw it, it's in his hands, it's caught, and he's making positive uh, yardage. So I see a, a comp of those three guys. If he comes close to any of those three guys, he's going to have a long career in the Chiefs' kingdom. He was targeted 125 times last year. Three drops the entire year. Huge hands, like you mentioned, and sure-handed. Yes. And that's what you want. My concept for Sky Moore is he can run a slant over the middle with his quickness because his speed might not jump off the page in terms of combine measurables, but he's quick off the line. One of the quickest receivers off the line in this entire draft. He can beat a DB out of his break, run that slant, catch the ball because he's sure-handed. And as you said, with the broken tackles, he's one of the most elusive receivers in this entire class. PFF said that if all the receivers in this class played tag, he would win. <laughs> All right. So he's super elusive. And I love that about him. The production last year, you kind of mentioned it, 94 grabs for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Just the agility that he shows is really exciting. PFF compared him to Julian Edelman. Of course, it's a high comp, but um, just really exciting to have kind of that safety valve over the middle for the Chiefs. And think like third and four, third and five, having that guy that's reliable every single time can get himself open uh, and catch the football when it's thrown at him. I just love this pick. And just like the other guys, a chip on this guy's shoulder. I mean, he was under-recruited uh, out of the Pittsburgh area, ends up uh, at Western Michigan and just lit the world on fire. But uh, he's convinced he's going to show people that he's better than what people seem to think of him. And he's consistently doubted. And I love those kind of players because guys that are doubted are going to show up ready to go. One of the things that I love about him, and, and the coordinators mentioned this, um, because EB mentioned it, Eric Bieniemy on stage with me on Saturday at Draft Fest. Western PA is really good football. This was a high school quarterback, much like McCole Hardman was. He was also a high school DB. He was recruited by Western Michigan as a DB. 
And to me, receivers, many times receivers turn into DBs. Sometimes DBs turn into receivers. And I think it helps them when it's that way because they understand coverages, they understand how to get open, and they can understand how to move the chains. Do not forget, go back and look at the video if you can throughout around the world uh, for our Defending the Kingdom viewers and, and listeners. Find the Pittsburgh. They beat Pittsburgh. Western Michigan beat Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett, and a big reason was Sky Moore's big plays. Excited about this one. All right, let's jump in now to the next pick. And this, I'm going to start with Matt on this one because this is a guy on uh, yes, April the 11th was sending me stuff. Hey, watch Brian Cook's video. Watch Brian Cook's video. The Chiefs get Brian Cook out of the University of Cincinnati. Another incredible value pick. What did you like about him on April 11th, and what do you love about him now? I text Mitch on April 11th. I'm working on one of my draft talk videos. Going to look at safeties, right? And I'm looking at all these different guys, guys like Jalen Petrie, um, uh, Nick Cross, all these different dudes, guys that will be highly drafted. And I stumble upon a kid named Brian Cook from Cincinnati, and I watch his video, and I'm like, oh, my God, we need this guy. He's an enforcer-type safety, which I just love. In the, in the box, when you have a guy running a shallow crosser or something, and you can have an enforcer safety that reminds them that they're there every single time. Um, big hits from this guy. Um, he's a sure tackler. Only seven missed tackles on 100 attempts last year. And I mentioned a true hybrid player. So 450 snaps in coverage last year, but had the ninth most forced incompletions. And also 450 snaps against the run with the eighth most run stops. So this guy is just absolutely awesome. And in that text chain when we were talking about him I compared him to Cam Chancellor which is of course a lofty comp we'll see if he can reach that but you respond with the eyeball emoji <laughs> and then I see him at draft fest on Saturday and uh, just getting to know him a little bit and someone asked him who was your favorite team growing up and he said it was the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom and I'm like okay I have to show him now so I show him the text chain between me and you and I was like man I compared you to Cam Chancellor like a month ago I was on your team before you were on our team and he's like all right so we'll see what he turns into, but I love Brian Cook. Let me give another comp here. Might be Sean Barber in a way. This nope. was you. This I was you it. coming out of college. Now I'm 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 gonna play to the crowd here. All right, let's see. But this was you. I mean, you're coming. This guy uh, started at Howard, right? So he was a small school guy. Played in HBCU. Then he transferred to Cincinnati. But a guy that is thought to be can play in the box, but also uh, athleticism. But what do you see when you see Brian Cook? Man, you know what I see, and I'm I know. Um, uh, Cam Chancellor was a lofty goal. I'm gonna I'm go a little bit loftier because okay. I see. I mean, I mean, I'm, I see Brian Dawkins, that, a guy mm, that mm, it, mm. it was in my ear my whole career when I was in Philadelphia. The two years I was there, um, having one of Coach Reed's favorites, by the way, having a knowledge of the game, being able to control the secondary, being able to control uh, when it's a pass set, knowing kind of instinctively where you need to be, but coming with such type of raw emotion um, the, the way he hits guys, the way you see him. I mean, it, it the play stops immediately. I mean, he got some woo licks that when he delivers on these receivers, man, that makes you just start thinking of some of the greatest hitting safeties in the league. Um, Greg Wesley, who was a Chiefs guy here, um, known for his coverage, but also known because he delivered a blow. Uh, had a nasty streak in the way he went about his business. So um, those two comps, um, obviously both uh, tremendously different players, but I see a little bit of Greg Wesley. I see a little bit of Brian Dawkins. And I think when you wrap that up, man, this Cook kid can be very special when you talk about how Spag is going to use him. To your point, find the video of where he chases down the Temple quarterback. It's a football camp tackle. It's awesome. Seven tackles against Georgia at the end of 2020. Yes, those Georgia Bulldogs. And the other point here with Brian Cook is the fact that the Chiefs love to play a very unique coverage, 4 one where they'll play three safeties in three corners. Yeah. Well, one of those three safeties better be a box safety, play those crossers, Matt, like you've talked about, deliver a blow and be physical. Or if they check to a run with these running quarterbacks or the single back usually against that, they've got to make tackles. It was a big deficiency for the Chiefs in 2021. Hopefully, Cook can uh, fill in that gap. All right. Shop, we're going to get the first chance here because now we go to a guy, Leo Chanel, at the University of Wisconsin at 6'3", 250, major production, Big Ten linebacker of the year, called a cinder block of strength. All right, here's Chanel. What are you thinking? Man, I, I see the X, man. I see him taking out both of those A-gaps at will, whenever he wants it. Um, almost playing like 10-man football. You have everybody else playing the defense, and you allow, this, <laughs> you, you allow him the freedom to just on command say, I'm going to take out and I'm going to blow up anything that comes through that right or left A-gap. And then as a defense, you play off him. It is so hard for an offense to be able to play defense, I mean play offense, when you have defenders that 
don't always do what you think they're going to do. And this guy has so much instinct. I believe he's a football mind. Zach Thomas comes to mind. Um, I already said Axeman, so that's Jeremiah Trotter. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in the mix between a Jeremiah Trotter and a, um, a Zach Thomas, um, just knowing the game of football, knowing it to the infinite degree, being a, uh, as a lineman assignment, being one of those guys, 250-some pounds at linebacker, loves to run, loves to hit. He loves football. It's hard to find guys in this day and time that are so focused on the game of football. Love it, eat it, breed it, love everything about the game. His physical nature, man, I, I think I heard he bench pressed 225 about 40 sometimes. <laughs> um, so he's a mountain of a man, man, and he's going to be somebody that can you can anchor the first and second down runs after. On the stage during DraftFX, you guys heard this. When I said, Leo, what do you bring to the table? He just goes, violence and physicality. Just That's all he said. Three words. And the place just went berserk. <laughs> Chanel, the linebacker from Wisconsin. And there was no hesitation. Like, he knew that no, instantly. Like, right away. Just violence and physicality. It's like, yes, linebacker. Uh, and that's what he is. And he also provides the Chiefs with some flexibility in their linebacker core. So, Brett Veach talked about it after he was drafted. But this kid's a true strong side Sam linebacker. Mm-hmm. You can put him out there in your base sets. Move Willie Gay to Will where he's, he's so athletic and can move around and can cover, um, that's where he probably should be. And then also, uh, Chanel can back up Nick Bolton, that middle linebacker. And you can never have enough depth at those spots, particularly premium depth. Like, if, if Leo has to go out there and play middle linebacker, we got to see how he does, of course, in the offseason training program. But just based on what we know about him as a prospect, he can do that. So I'm excited about the flexibility he provides the Chiefs. He's just so athletic, which is just amazing for a player of his size. Matt, he's got a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. It's insane. It's the same as Juan <laughs> Thornhill. Yeah, at, at, at 6'3", 250 pounds. There's a metric out there called Relative Athletic Score. You might see it on Twitter, at MathBomb. He's the guy that does all these things. <laughs> and it's a composite of all their, their combine and pro day and all this stuff, like their athletic measurables, and compares them to other players in history. And he, on a scale of 1 to 10, his relative athletic score was 9.99. He was the third most athletic linebacker since 1987. There's over 1,000 linebackers that have been graded on this scale since then. He's number three. Uh, I just can't wait to see what he can do in this defense. And also, I like him as a just a blitzer off the edge, like in certain sub-packages. Just use him as a, a designated blitzer. Um, he can go through that A-gap and just blow a guy up. Uh, I can't wait to see what he can do. The only disappointment is our trip around the world. We did not hear from Grantsburg, Wisconsin, because that's the hometown of Leo Chanel. And that is 1,307 humans that live in that town. His brothers also play at Wisconsin, uh, very near River Falls, where the Chiefs used to have training camp. But little town guy that's a big-time talent. So that's the first five of this base 10 of the Chiefs 2022 draft class. And after those five were chosen, we did have a chance to catch up with General Manager Brett Veach. All right, a chance to catch up now with General Manager Brett Veach. Let's start with day one. How excited were you when Trent McDuffie and George Karloffis fell to you uh, at those spots? Yeah, we were we were certainly excited. And we joked earlier where, you know, we spent so much time in, in regards to going over every scenario and then um, felt like we played out every scenario. But the one scenario we didn't play out was Trent McDuffie being there. Um in that range, we can go up and get him. So to get him and then come back and still feel a big need at the end there with, with George was certainly uh, exciting for us and look forward to getting them in here pretty soon. And those two guys, how much are they culture builders? I mean, those are good players, but, and then on the heels of what you signed last year. Yeah. And, and, and then what we came back uh, today and, and all these guys, um, Trent, George, um, you know, Sky and, and, and Leo, all these guys are, are guys that love the process, love the game. They're going to set the tempo in the, in the meeting rooms, and that's going to translate on Sundays. Let's talk about how day two fell to you because you did some maneuvering again, uh, but the chance to get a sky more and then to uh, get some additions. It'll help you also in special teams with Cook. Yeah, we got that extra pick, and that was big, right? So, um, uh, But, no, listen, we, um, we knew that – we would have opportunities to add some talent. And we also knew that on Saturday we had a four and, and, you know, a handful of sevens and we were sitting there on the clock and, and kind of felt that was the safe spot to go from 50 to 54 and, and get that little bridge pick in between fours and sevens. Um, and then, you know, to add a playmaking wide out in sky more and then um, add a versatile um, linebacker in, in Leo, um, you know, he'll be able to come in here and play some Sam, play some Mike. And, and we certainly need depth at the linebacker position. And we need a guy that can, you know, play that Mike, uh, backup micro position, uh, back, backup Mike linebacker position. So, um, you know, we're excited to get him. And like I said, all, 
all these guys that we were able to take the last few days here, I mean, we think these guys can come in right away and, and help us day one. And final question, day one, though, too. It seems like you got some four-core special teams help perhaps here. Yeah, and that's um, that's a cherry on top. So, you know, we have some um, certainly some um, position needs that we need to fill, and, and we're able to do that and get in the corner, um, getting the, the DN, the receiver, and, you know, a, a versatile multi-positional linebacker. But then, as you mentioned, um, Mitch, just to come back with those guys, with those needs, and know that all these guys are going to be there for Dave on Sunday. Um, again, it's just cherry on top. But Brett Veach was far from done, and the rest of the base 10 are worth a worthy discussion. And if you can't tell, all three of us are having fun talking about the base 10 system. Not mathematics, these 10 draft picks. Let's jump into the next guy, and Matt, I'll start here with you, and that's Joshua Williams, the uh, cornerback out of Fayetteville State, Division II school, an HBCU school, 6'3", Let me just start this way. HBCU corners in Chiefs history. Jim Marcellus, Tennessee State, uh, Super Bowl IV champion. Emmett Thomas, Bishop College, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Albert Lewis, who played at Grambling. Some of the greatest corners in the history of our franchise came from HBCU schools. There's a lot to like about Joshua Williams. He was the first draftee out of an HBCU since 2020, I believe, and the highest drafted one since 2019. So pretty cool. Uh, Joshua Williams to the Chiefs. Tremendous size and length with this guy. He's a corner who stands at six foot three, 194 pounds. So love that size and length. Good wingspan on this kid. Uh, Lance Zierlein from NFL.com, one of the best draft analysts out there, said he was a small school cornerback with big school traits and talent. The thing is, he's raw. Like playing at a smaller school, the competition level will be significantly different in the NFL, but you can't teach 6'3", 194 with long arms yes. and ball skills. You can't teach that. And he was really good at Fayetteville State. I mean, you can only play who's against you, uh, and he had good production there. 24 passes defensed over his last 20 games. So um, when you get to this point in the draft, you're kind of drafting based on traits. I mean, no player is perfect at this point, but if you see a guy that, yeah, it's a small school, but he's six foot three and has ball skills and is only ascending as a player. I mean, he went to the Senior Bowl and held his own against yes. players from Georgia and Alabama and Clemson and everywhere else. So really excited about Joshua Williams. He'll go out there, and I don't know if he's a starting corner on day one, but you develop him, kind of like the Chiefs did with Traverius Ward. I get defensive of, of playing levels because the CIAA – is a good Division II league. This is a league that Shop, who played FCS at Richmond, but the next notch down Division II, this is Virginia Union, Virginia Wise, Johnson C. Smith. These are good players. We've had NFL guys come out of this. What do you see in Joshua Williams? I see what I like. I see guys I played with before. I see the Bobby Taylors of the world. I see um, um, guys that play like, I mean, remember Bobby Taylor with the Eagles? Long, 6'2", uh, great wingspan, is able to play um, the, the high point of balls and get you in and out of breaks. Great trail technique. I love his trail technique on everything. I mean, it's no separation. And to be a guy that tall and that, you know, I don't want to say he's linky, but he's long. He has great arm, um, able to break up passes and get it all. Um, and not even, uh, there's not, Troy Vincent. Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent. Cornerbacks like that, they give wide receivers so much trouble trying to get in and out of your breaks, trying to get down the field because they have these super long arms able to adjust, um, adjust your routes. And quarterbacks, they come off receivers really quick when you see the guys are locked down by these guys with these long arms. So I like Mr. Williams, obviously, small school guy, had to kind of travel the same road I did, coming from University of Richmond, having time in the Senior Bowl, um, having time go to the combine and work out. Everybody said uh, level of competition. University of Richmond, we don't know about your level of competition. Well, guess what? Come training camp, when this young man enters and, and gets on this field, no one's going to care that he went to Fayetteville State. No one's going to care <laughs> what round he got drafted or what number. It's going to be like, what are you going to do now to um, show us that um, you're supposed to be here and you deserve some playing time? And I believe this man's going to rise to the occasion. Matt, I love what you said about his wingspan, too, at 53-inch wingspan. Um, and the fact that we're also seeing – why you have the HBCU Legacy Bowl and why you have the HBCU Combine. But the Chiefs folks were way ahead of this 
way back because they were the first uh, franchise, really in professional football, to go to the HBC U uh, schools and get some of the greatest players to ever play in the game. Buck Buchanan. We go right down the line. Willie Lanier and others. Maybe have another one here in Joshua Williams. Okay, another one. Austin Woodard helps us during the draft. <laughs> he lives in Joplin, Missouri. He went berserk with this pick. And this pick is really interesting. And Darian Kennard, the offensive tackle slash guard is he a tackle is he a guard from the University of Kentucky. He won the Jacobs blocking trophy as the best blocking offensive lineman in the SEC. Wait a minute. Wasn't Evan Neal in this draft? Uh, what about Cross uh, from Mississippi State? He was ruled better than those guys. Shop, we'll start with you. What kind of steal did the Chiefs get here? Some say it was off by 80 picks. <laughs> to get a guy like this, I think he uh, recorded 30 pancakes last season. <laughs> So 30 pancakes blocks, which means the guy you're blocking ends up flat on the ground on his back, is phenomenal. And to get this guy, I mean, he comes into the kingdom with an edge on his shoulder. So if, you, if you're looking for a bunch of um, um, hot takes or some, some audio bites, this ain't the guy to get it from. He's coming in every day with a job, with a demeanor. He doesn't want to get it done. He want to get the job done. He wants to protect the quarterback. He wants to make uh, um, the other guy's job across from him kind of like a nightmare. Uh, so our defensive line is going to get, get beat on all training camp long mm -hmm. facing this young man. But he, deserve, he, he, he considers himself a, a starting right tackle. And he's almost disrespected that the draft went that long without him getting. And so, yes, he's happy to be a part of the kingdom, but he does, he's not going to come here like with um, um, uh, satisfied. He's not going to come here like I've arrived. Today, uh, when he gets to training camp, you're going to see like day one of his journey. And he might not speak to anybody on the entire team. He might not have many words for anybody in that huddle. But I bet he's going to be one of the most physical guys um, um, during training camp. And hopefully that carries over into the season. Matt, why did he drop? And if he is a tackle, let's all imagine here around the world in the Chiefs kingdom, him at right tackle, shoulder to shoulder, with Trey Smith, who has oh the same goodness. demeanor at guard. <laughs> well, you mentioned Austin Woodard, who helps us do our board and helps us with, all our, with our draft prep. Um, he was with us on night one and night two. And on night two, we're just all excited about our draft, getting all this value and all this talent. And we asked him, what do you think? And he's like, I love the draft so far, but I wish we could have gotten Kennard out of Kentucky. And then we get him in the fifth round. <laughs> he, he was the number 79 overall player on Pro Football Focus's board. And we get him at pick number 145. You mentioned how, how what a steal he was in terms of how many picks off. Warren Sharp did a deal where he um, compared basically projections to where guys were actually taken. And Kennard was the seventh best value pick in the entire draft. And the Chiefs get this guy. Uh, guard tackle flexibility. Like you said, um, PFF had him as, as the best tackle in the SEC um, last year. Uh, just really productive. Uh, and he's huge. He's 6'5", 322 pounds at the Combine. And he played bigger than that at Kentucky. I think he was 345 at one point. 109 knockdowns in his career. And it gets back to what you were saying about that, that demeanor that he has. He's a nasty dude. I, like I mean, everywhere I look, they just call him a mauler. And that's what you want along the offensive line. And the Chiefs really went through a culture shift along their offensive line, getting guys like Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and he's going to fit right in. Watch the video of him against LSU. He takes out the first level, goes the second level. He's looking for dudes at the third level. Watch him block against Trevon Walker and the University of Georgia. So maybe work on his pass sets, but this guy uh, is a monster and comes in, as Shop said, both you guys said, uh, with an attitude. All right, let's go to the next play. Right, we got three guys left on the base 10 here, the 10 uh, draftees for the Kansas City Chiefs in the 2022 NFL Draft. Jalen Watson, 6'2", 197 out of Washington State. We think comps here. I think Washington State. I think this size of dude. I think of a James Hasty. actually. We're going to go way back here. Uh, <laughs> but he came out of Wazoo, same kind of deal. The kid was a Juco at Ventura uh, in California. We'll start with you, Matt, Jalen Watson. Well, similar deal to Joshua Williams, where Jalen Watson is a long physical corner, and you can't teach those kind of things. In the NFL nowadays, you need corners who are tall. Like, even 10 years ago, having a corner over six foot tall was very unique. But nowadays, when you have receivers like Mike Williams uh, in your division, you have to have tall, athletic, long corners to guard those kind of guys. So it's not just an easy jump ball situation for the receiver. And uh, Jalen Watson fits that bill. He's six foot two, 197 pounds, outstanding height and length for a corner. He's only played 15 games at the FBS level, so he's raw. Didn't play a lot of games at Washington State because he was a JUCO transfer. Uh, but he had good production while he was there. I mean, he was a two-time honorable mention for All-Pac-12. 
12. So he played well at Washington State. And he's, again, a raw player that has those uh, tools, those physical tools you can't teach. One other thing I love about him is out of Ventura Community College, he was one of the top JUCO players in the nation. He's being recruited by tons of different schools. I think he was the number nine corner out of JUCO in the country. Tons of schools want him. He signs with USC, but he turns out to be academically ineligible. A lot of players, their career would end there. But what he do? He went back home to Georgia and started working at Wendy's and taking classes. Ended up being a straight-A student, got his degree, and then went to Washington State and balled out, and now he's being drafted. That's a cool story, and it says a lot about the kid. You played in this league a long time, Shop. This kid had to get his mind right, mm-hmm. and he did it doing fast food in the 2019 year in Augusta, Georgia. What about a kid getting his mind right and set and coming in with this kind of potential? He's going to come with an edge on his shoulder, and he's going to uh, tough, smart football player. Um, he's already seen a little bit of failure, and sometimes a, a little taste of failure is what really gets your motor going and kind of elevates you and vaults you to be a, a true pro. Um, so knowing that this guy is not coming in thinking he's arrived is going to be an awesome opportunity to get a guy that's – I think is going to battle with our current guys day one is wanting some playing time on the field. We, we know his, his immediate value will be in special teams. He'll be a special teams demon. And if, if, he's, if he's got anything, any kind of goal, it should be to be a special teams captain day one because he has that versatility. He has that size, um, the length, the speed, the physicality to be a guy that can be a all uh, four-core special teamer. He can be a tip of the spear. That's a, a term that we use in special teams. When you're a tip of the spear, you're the first entry point when you're trying to kill your opponent. The first thing that reaches is that tip of the spear. And I see a guy like that is going down there on any special team's um, um, phase at any point of the game and making a play-changing, a game-changing play. And so a a guy like this guy, man, he's going to come hungry. He's going to come aggressive. He's going to learn the defense, but you already said he's a smart kid. Spagnola's defense, man, it's definitely – it's got some volume to it. But once you learn your assignment and your alignment, you're able to go and let your um, your instincts take over. And so I can't wait to see this guy just instinctively be able to take over and be somebody on the field. Again, we've talked about some traits, some comps. Um, um, DB that I played with, um, when my last year at the Texans, I played with the guy, um, uh, Dante Robinson, yeah. a guy from South Carolina. Uh, he reminds me of him. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a Lido Shepard, a Sheldon Brown. Um, this guys they play with so much tenacity. They, they, they never let their um, um, the, the, the size or the, the lack keep them from making the next big play. So I appreciate a guy coming in already, you know, tasted a little bit of failure, had to go kind of re- reinvent himself and talk about how much do you really love the game of football? Because I guarantee you when he was doing the fast food stuff, uh, the NFL was probably the last thing on his mind at that point, right? It's, it's about how am I going to feed myself and get um, through day to day? And he's been able to work himself back in to shape to be an NFL player. Man, I have nothing but respect for this young man. Some have made the comp his game to Antoine Winfield. All right. I'll take that one. I like it. But you're right. He's a little bit raw. Hasn't played that many games. It, it didn't play that many games at Wazoo, but excited to see this game. And we're going to – I might get T-shirts made of TGs, Tobes guys, you know, the yeah. special team shirts. <laughs> Tobes tip guy. of the spear, I'm a, man. I'm a Tobe guy. <laughs> tip, tip of the, the spear. spear. And have a spear uh, right there. All right, let's jump in uh, to our final two draft picks and our base 10 uh, edition of Defending the King. I know we're going long here, but we're having too much fun because <laughs> these 10 guys excite the three of us to uh, no end. Now, let me uh, just hear my description of this guy. All right. 5'10", 222 pounds, runs a 4'37". Who am I describing? Damian Williams. Damian Williams, the run to immortality, right? The Mira Mesa Marauder. Played at Oklahoma, was Juco for a while. Uh, had that incredible run against Super Bowl 54. Will be remembered forever. He was 5'11", 224, and ran a 4.37. Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round out of Rutgers. 5'10", 222, runs a 4.37. Shop, I'm starting with you here with Isaiah Pacheco. If you talk to anybody at Rutgers, they're going to talk and just – Talk a lot about this kid in the positive sense. Man, I, you know, I, I was drafted um, back in 98, and when, uh, a member of my draft class was a guy named Skip Hicks, came from UCLA. And to me, Skip Hicks, his versatility, great hands, uh, tenacious blocker, could find holes, had, had instincts way beyond his years. When I watch film of this young man from Rutgers, he doesn't look like a, a college player. He looks like a, a pro player that's been put on a college field, and he has some things that you just can't coach. And I think if you take that – 
you know, that, that, that those rough edges and put them in the room with Coach Bienemy, put them in the room with um, Coach Greg, and let our coaches kind of work with them. I mean, that's similar how we found Kareem Hunt. We found him in the same that same mold of a, a guy who was a little bit unappreciated. Uh, appreciated a little bit disrespected with, by why, where he got drafted, but had all the talent in the world. Having them come to the Chiefs Kingdom and work with our coaches, I think we got a guy that could potentially be a very impactful player. Like you said, maybe the next run to immortality. When Damian Williams, when he signed with the Chiefs, it wasn't like a huge deal. Like the red carpet wasn't rolled out. <laughs> But you have those traits, those physical tools, and the mentality to go out there and, and win. It doesn't matter where you're drafted or exactly. if you're a big free agent signing. Uh, this kid's a great example of that. I mean, you guys have said it already, but I love having a running back. It's over 215 pounds of basically all muscle. He takes his strength training really seriously. And the 4.37 speed, that was tied for the fastest 40 time of any running back at the Combine. Only Pierre Strong uh, from South Dakota State was tied with him. So uh, super fast. And one thing I like about him a lot when reading about him is he is a good pass blocker with upside as a pass blocker. He's willing to do it. He has the strength to do it, the size to do it. Uh, and that's a big deal, particularly as a seventh round running back. Uh, with his speed and his pass blocking upside, I think he has a lot uh, of skills to be possibly a third down back on this team pretty early on. We'll see what happens. But uh, I like this pick a lot. I feel like he's not your typical seventh rounder. Um, he has a lot of skills. Like you watch him and you're like, this kid should have been drafted earlier. I'm excited to watch him in camp. Since 2019, they, the Chiefs have missed this guy. They, they, you know, we had the 205-pound guy. This is 222 pounds that runs 437. There's just an element to that that is fits into a, you know, into a piece here. Um, go find his tape against Syracuse. It's the four-minute offense. Syracuse doesn't like Rutgers. Rutgers doesn't like Syracuse. Rutgers is going to beat him in the carrier dome. This dude has to carry it every time. And much like a Darrell Williams has done for the Chiefs in the four-minute offense, and just watch it. Find it, and you'll see why we're excited about Isaiah Pacheco, the running back out of Rutgers. All right, we close it out with the safety, um, Nazi Johnson out of Marshall. I'll start with you, Matt, because this guy looks like he ought to get a Tobe t-shirt. Tobe's guys, right? Put it on, tip of the spear, using shop's term. But uh, another guy, don't, don't like write this cat off, even though he's always the last guy of the ten. Tobe guy is definitely what this guy fits the bill as. Um, if you look at what he's done at Marshall, a five-year starter uh, at Marshall with a ton of experience. He started 45 games uh, in that time. Ran a 4-3-5-40 at his pro day, so he's fast. Uh, he's explosive. Um, and also his attitude is lauded by all the draft experts. So if you're explosive, fast, you have experience, so you're clearly smart and deserve to be out there. Uh, and also you have the right attitude uh, to go out there and play. I think that fits the bill of a special teamer for sure that maybe can, de can develop into more. But I think right away, uh, Nazee Johnson will fit in on special teams and make some plays. From Marshall, Thundering Herd, he has to come in. I mean, we have a good team. So uh, being a seventh-round pick, the last pick of the uh, draft, you're not coming in with a spot on, the, on this 53. you got to create a spot. You got to come here with some with a little bit of edge, thinking I'm about, I'm taking somebody else's job, and that's that's a tough that's a great place to be in as an organization, um, because we're, we're not filling in a bunch of holes. We're adding extra depth. We're actually extra ingredients to to the pantry just in case we need somebody to come in and fill somebody's role through the injury or something like this. So this young man has got to come in. I mean, he's got to play like the ground is on fire every day. He's got to be early for meetings. He's got to stay late. He's got to watch extra film. He's going to have to do some, some really unique things in training camp just to be on our 53 because we have so many great players already here. So we're in a great position to be in. Hey, man, this young man, he's uh, listen, he's going to come in. He's going to perform. He's going to play. But, hey, man, so, like, we ain't got room for everybody on the ship. And so – this young man better better get it get it uh going in the in the right direction very early and often and opening people's eyes, making plays no matter what situation it is. That rookie camp for him, when it's just the rookies out there for those first few days, if he doesn't open up some really big eyes at that moment, he might get lost in the shuffle. But but you know I call them crockpot guys. This oh, yeah. guy's a crockpot guy. Because of the expanded practice squads. You now can develop, guys. Yep. This guy put in the crock pot, slow cook them. Think of the best meals you've had. They have been slow cooked. Yeah. And you develop, guys. That's been a big part of the Chiefs' nine years of winning here, going into a 10th year under Andy Reid. All right, real quick, we'll just close it out with a quick synopsis of your thoughts of the base 10, the draft class of 2022. We entered this draft talking about what an opportunity it was to get some great talent and some great value. Not very often does a team that has the resume of the Kansas City Chiefs have this many picks in a draft, particularly picks high in a draft. Well, reviewing it now, and 
we won't know the success of this draft for at least a year, right? But reviewing it now, looking at what experts thought about certain players, the Chiefs came away with the following players on the Pro Football Focus big board. The number 10 overall player, number 11, number 22, number 36, number 71, number 79, and number 117. Think about all that young talent entering this locker room. And I can't wait to see how they look uh, in rookie minicamp this weekend and during OTAs uh, in the weeks to follow and, of course, training camp. But this was a great opportunity for the Chiefs to go out there and grab a, a bunch of really good young players <laughs> and put them on this team. And I think they, they achieved that, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. But at least today, Monday, after the draft, I feel great about this class. Man, it's, I hope these guys come in with the mindset that, that they've expressed to us, um, even just in the videos and the draft day videos at Draft Fest, that same energy and excitement, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, fabricated. These guys love football, and we got this chance to really see guys coming at an early age. These young guys are going to um, just uh, – injection of energy is going to be put in this defense. And I think, you know, if you look back, our defense was getting a little bit old. These guys are coming in young, fun, hungry, smart, tough, all those, uh, those, those intangibles that you need to have a growing defense is going to be good, not just this year, but for years to come. So of, of seven of ten picks to be on the defensive side of the ball as a linebacker. You love that. Man, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in heaven right now. I want to see all of these uh, seven guys develop. But then on the offense, we got some guys that can also contribute year one. And that's what is the beautiful thing about an organization like ours. Um, we don't need to ever rebuild. We just retool. We just retool and just keep coming at you at different ways. We got some really creative minds on both sides, all three phases of the ball. And I think they, they, all of these weapons we have to use is going to be a phenomenal 2022 season for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll close this way. Draft Fest was over on Saturday. Matt saw me backstage. We were kind of tired, right? But I just sat in that chair after being around those five guys that were on that stage and thought, oh, my goodness, what do we have here? If these guys can perform at the level we think they can, this could be a class that could be remembered for years and years. So go back to two defending the kingdoms ago when we did volume, value, and victory. This crew is the epitome to me, the definition of volume and value. And I'll throw another one in. Veach. Let's give Brett Veach <laughs> and the GM of the Chiefs and all of his staff, all of them, wish we could mention them all, an incredible job with the base 10, not just the mathematical system that you live with every day, but the base 10 of the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs NFL draft, the base for the future. 10, 5, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead. 